You're listening to the One Word Podcast, an outreach ministry of Christ Nations Church. Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Iron Petrie of Christ Nations Church, along with my wife, Star Petrie. Hey, everybody. And we are here for another podcast of One Word, the outreach ministry of Christ Nations Church. Uh, we thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. We thank you for the downloads, for all of the shares. Uh, and we want to jump right into the subject matter that we have been talking about because you can stay tuned to the end of this podcast and get further information about how to follow us on all of the podcasting platforms, as well as connect with us on our website and learn a little bit more about us at Christ Nations Church. But um, over the last podcast, we were talking about something that was in my humble opinion, very vital for the times in which we live. Uh, and it's kind of in keeping in talking about the spirit of this age and the way in which our culture has been evolving as of late. Um, and we were talking about idolatry. And uh, we want to go back and revisit idolatry. And we want to look at this from the word of God. And we want to kind of unpack a, a basic definition or understanding of it. And then we want to move over into some different things about idolatry and what it means to be uh, what it means to have an idol and what it means to be worshiping something other than God. And it may be a little bit more practical than you may have even thought. So let's um, let's begin with Philippians. I want to go to Philippians chapter number three, where the Apostle Paul pins some very important truths about this that I think are very vital for us to understand. Um, he says to the church at Philippi in Philippians three, beginning in verse uh, 17, He says, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example or an ensample is what the King James says. And I'm reading out of the King James Version, so it's going to read a little differently if you have a different version. So he's telling them, follow after his example, follow him. Uh, He says, for many walk, in verse 18, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, and who mind earthly things. Now notice that phrase in verse 19, because I think this gives us a real foundation for understanding what it means, uh, what, what idolatry means. He says, whose God is their belly, or their God is their appetite, their God is their their wishes, their wants, their sensual desires. Absolutely. And one of the things you come to discover when you look at idolatry, you may look at definitions that say, oh, it's an image, it's a, it's a figment, it's, a, it's an, uh, a, some kind of a graven image or something to which people devote um, religious and um, homage to and they bow to and so forth and so on. And of course, we know that is a form of idolatry. But at the at the very core of all idolatry is simply lust. That's it. It is human lust. Because if you take an image, a graven image of wood or stone or metal, if you take a person who is a celebrity, some, someone uh, highly exalted as an idol, quote-unquote, irregardless of what you use as the figure Really what the person worships is what they project onto that image. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. What they project onto that celebrity, what they project onto that graven image, what they project onto that thing, what they project onto whatever it is uh, that they're worshiping. 
And that projection is usually born of sensual desire, their own particular lust. You go back in the Old Testament, of course, when the children of Israel are getting delivered from Egyptian bondage and they get out into the middle of the wilderness and and uh, Moses is up on the mountain talking to God and he's going to come down with these Ten Commandments and he's up there and he's taking a little too long because the people are getting upset. They're probably a little uncomfortable. They're out in the middle of the wilderness and they take all of this gold and they melt it down and they create this graven image, this this calf. Some of that, I believe, was behavior learned in Egypt because, of course, Egypt was a, was an idolatrous empire. And so they 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 take they take all this gold and they melt it down and they build this golden calf and then they're partying and drinking and frolicking and doing God knows what around this golden calf because the God of Israel, the true God who delivered them was a God who had inconvenienced them to some degree. He wasn't doing what they thought he should do as fast as they thought he should do it, the way they thought he should do it, despite the fact he has performed countless miracles on their behalf but at the end of the day, their belly wanted something different, right? Mm. Their appetites, their sensual nature wanted something different. And so at the crux of all idolatry, when we erect anything in our lives to which we divert our devotion from God to it, it is based upon our lusts. Yes. So really, <laughs> idolatry never goes beyond simply you worshiping your own sensual desires. Uh, the Apostle Paul says... To, to Timothy, he talks about how in the last days they're going to heap to themselves teachers having itching ears uh, after their own lusts. Mm -hmm. In other words, that people will adopt philosophies, beliefs, teachings, doctrines that cater to their belly. Absolutely. That cater to their sensual appetite. That ultimately people want to be able to express their own sensual appetites. They want them fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And that is the very foundation of idolatry. These projections we make onto the things, those are just projections, but they are born from, they come out of carnal lust. And so that's the foundation of it. And I wanted to lay that as a foundation for this discussion about it so that people, so that it's, it's easier to grasp. Right. So that it's not just, oh, I, I don't, I don't bow down and worship my motor vehicle or I don't, <laughs> I don't. I don't worship uh, this. But that, don't scratch it, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get off my wheels. You know, and you know they don't. They don't worship anything like that. Or they would swear up and down they don't. But it's really based in your carnal appetites and, and based in your own sensual desires yeah. or what you think. Oh, you may not say you worship your car, but you may worship what you think your car gives to you in terms of your image to everybody else. Absolutely. You see what I mean? So this is the essence of idolatry, yeah. right? And this is the essence of, of what we're talking about. Well, I just wanted to tag on to what you what you just laid down so brilliantly there, dear. Oh. Um, but this is James 4, and it says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Mm. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Wow. And you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. And so just going back to this idea of mm. those idols being born of the flesh, right? And this, this desire that we have for a fulfillment that really has more to do with our own pride 
yeah. our our own our belly, what we what we think we're owed, what we think we should we deserve, and especially in this world now, right? Because that's a tagline. Get what you deserve, girl. <laughs> right? Or a guy. Or a guy. Yes, just get what you think. Get, you get what yeah. you deserve, deserve. Right? And it's and oh, yeah. and it's this thinking that I think kind of powers. It powers all of social media. It powers all of, of this idea of, you know, cancel culture. Because when people don't give me what I deserve, then you deserve to be canceled. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so we we end up getting into wars and strife and all of this stuff is born out of our belly mm-hmm. and our want to be satisfied and satiated with things that will not do it. No, they it won't. just won't do it. Never will. do. And, it. you know, we were talking about social media because, I, you know, I, you get on social media and it that that vortex. I mean, it's amazing what what the devil has done with with something that seems very benign. And yeah, simple, in and of right? itself, there's nothing wrong with it. Yes. I mean, you just get on there and you just kind of peruse. Facebook, um, I'm not meaning to cut you off and you please keep your point. But Facebook itself is not evil. Instagram is not evil. Twitter is not evil. They're social media platforms. That's all they are. Correct. But the people. (laughs) That's the people. But no, go ahead. Go ahead and say what you were going to say. Well, no, I was just going to say that it, it helps to, I think, foster this idea of, man, I'm missing out on things. And I think it presses, it's just like that surge you were talking about last podcast, to press people and move people into a place of fleshly desire. Not only that, but I have the the, the desire in my flesh, therefore I want to fulfill it by by my flesh, right? Because just like the Israelites, I mean, we waiting on this God, and I don't know why it needs to take this long for him to, I mean, can you not just... Say what you got to say and come on. Yeah. No, you know that that's kind of humanity, right? That we want it our way when we want it. And God's way is completely opposite of that, right? Which is why he tells us it's through faith and patience. And that patience, I mean, patience. Yeah. Patience. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> I, don't, who, I don't like who, the P word. Who likes patience? I don't like the P word, right? Yeah. And our flesh doesn't like the P word. We no. want, we want We want gratification instantaneously. That's what we want. Yeah. And so, you know, part of those idols that that we'll talk about today is, you know, things like our own education, our own intellect, right? Our ambitions, our passions, because we wear we wear our ambition. And I see a lot of people wearing their ambition like it's something to really be regarded. Yeah. You know, but sometimes the things that we're pressing after have everything to do with us, have nothing to do with with God's call, with God's purpose for our lives. It's just it's what we want to do because it gives me some credibility on Facebook. I can tell you, you too, you too can become a millionaire overnight. This is all I did. This is all yeah. you got to do, right? <laughs> it's so simple. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an amazing it's an amazing thing to see happening because um, if you go into any bookstore, you go into, uh, you turn on your, your social media, you go on your, your stuff, your sites and what have your platforms, you're inundated with one person after another selling you their ways. Yes, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And it's like they are packaging their ways to sell to you and telling you that this is the quick way to get this, this is the fast way to get that. Oh, you've been struggling? I, too, used to struggle. But I tell you how I stopped the struggle and I started smashing it or or, or whatever that <laughs> they talk about the, the killing it is what they use. But and, and all of these different things. And so here they are selling and packaging their ways. But these ways are all catered toward and it's masterful as a marketing scheme mm-hmm. because who doesn't have flesh? <laughs> who is not 
who is not desirous? Mm-hmm. Who does not have lust? I mean, the holiest saint of God has to deal with passions and desires and ambition and wants. It, it, it's, it's, it's who we are as human beings. So it's a masterful marketing plan because you're always talking about something that is germane to the audience, yes. right? You want more. You would like more. Don't you think you deserve more? And you create these narratives that cater to, carnal, to carnality. You create these narratives that touch the very essence of every person's existence, right? Uh, if they don't know Christ, if they don't understand how to be developed and mature in spiritual things, if they're not walking as the Word of God tells us in the Spirit, then these things become very, they're very second nature to them. Even to people who are Spirit-filled and know Jesus Christ, they're very second nature to people. And so it becomes very easy for people to listen to these infomercials and all of these programs. Next thing you know, you're spending all this money on things now. Swear up and down, you ain't got no money, but you're spending money. <laughs> <laughs> we have money for what we want to do, dear. We have money for, for what, what we, we want. want to do. I know that's Absolutely. true. That's right. And so we start doing all of these things, and we're chasing after really uh, our belly. Mm-hmm. Right, we're 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 like the cat chasing its tail. We're chasing our lusts. My favorite is how how to you, get that that itch scratched. Sorry, my favorite is are you tired of that nine to five? Yeah. It's like yeah, who who isn't? I mean, no, 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 I mean let me you get tell up every you, day, you're like yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Let me tell you. No, here's my favorite. My favorite is are you ready to fire your boss? Oh, it's like wait a minute. How do I fire my? I, I just I, didn't I just quit. My I mean, I, I don't fire my boss. Yeah, I just I just one. quit. That's all I did. You you can change the yeah, verbiage. It's the way I see it. Yeah, see, it's the way it's you the see way it. The way I, way I, see I see it. it. I'm talking to myself right now. <laughs> this is the way I want to I want to orchestrate this truth. This is the way. No, no, you can't fire him. Okay, <laughs> <He's> <laughs> he hired still you. There. You quit. That's all you did. You stopped working at the job, that's and, and that's okay. But that's not enough, right? But and, and that speaks to it though. That's not enough. Because in my ego, in my ambition, feeding the God of my belly, I have to create something in my head to make me feel empowered as though I did something great Yes. About, to lay a flattering unction, as Shakespeare said, to my own soul. Yes. Right? Absolutely. You see, and so it's all the same twisted logic that Satan uses to facilitate this, this outgrowth of idolatry, that we are really, really chasing our belly and our appetites and uh, and we're and it's manifested in the fact that even now within the body of Christ, and I say this with love, and I say this with with compassion and care, but I say it with absolute confidence, where where now we're starting to call uh, ambitious pursuits purpose. Yes, and we define it, or we 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 define purpose by whether or not something blows up. That's correct. That is to say, it's successful, That's makes correct. me money, makes me popular doesn't matter whether or not it was God breathed. If it was successful, evidently it was God. That that nothing could be further from the truth, even though God will bless you to succeed. But you can't, on the back end, Mm -hmm. try to judge the work, hand, purpose, call, command of God by whether or not something turned out positive in your favor financially or socially. It exhausted you in some way. And that's a very dangerous way to, to, to look at things because... You can be a success. I, 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 you would think people know this. You can be a success in life and without God at all. Absolutely. You can make millions no without God. You can, you can be the 
talk of the world. You can be a household name without sniffing the will of God for your life. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need that. You can become uber popular and rich and wealthy and effective in terms of your gift, your talents, and, and not be in the will of God for your life. And that's another thing people need to know. You can discover your talent and, and your gift and not discover his will. Amen. Amen. And the world pays for gifts. Yes, they will. But they will pay for you right out of the plan of God if you don't watch it. Yeah. And they will, they will lay out like Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs that lead you right out of God's particular plan for your gift and your talent mm -hmm. and what he had ordained for it before the foundation of the world. So all of these things are things that they, they lend to this idolatrous culture, this, this idolatrous uh, zeitgeist of our times and and uh and I just, that's why I think this conversation is so important. But along with ambition turning into an idol, offense can become an idol. And oh. we see that all up and down Whoa. social media pages, right? Offense is the mm. idol. And people are bowing down to that to that idea that someone owes me something. I yeah. am a victim and because I'm a victim, then I I can stand on the bully pulpit of life. Oh, yeah. And call balls and strikes. I can say what's fair and unfair. I can say who should be redeemed and who should be cast away. Um, and, and it's a very dangerous thing because it's easy to get into. And judgment is so easy, right? We can, it's something about oh, it's humanity, we can put judgment on like without even thinking about it. Oh, absolutely. And you know, you, you make such a brilliant point about that offense being an idol because of what it affords a person. Uh, you know, and you know the phrase that I use, and I use it in my personal conversations with you all the time. Uh, one of the signposts that our culture is being flipped on its head is that we used to have this statement that to the victor go the spoils. Like if you competed, you won, then you got the reward. But we we are in an age in which it's to the victim mm -hmm. go the spoils. That if you can prove victimhood, if you can prove offense if you can prove it if you can and sometimes not even prove yeah. it if you can if you can present it and there is a a, a consensus around you that sure. says the same you get enough people saying the same thing you can then twist an entire culture mm -hmm. to your favor yes <laughs> you can become famous off of offense Just win the narrative war oh right if you absolutely. win the narrative that's war it. then you can yeah, and and I guess that's what I was trying to say when I said proof. It's not so much producing evidence, but if you can create a convincing enough narrative, then to you will go plenty of spoil, mm -hmm. and the culture will bend. People will bend backwards. People will change. People will alter their behavior towards you in every other way, and and it becomes an idol because one of the things about whatever you worship is that it affects your behavior yes right it's what gets you up in the morning it's what keeps you up late at night it's what causes you to do the things you do and so you know when something's moving into a place of being an idol in your life because you're going to start to behave around it mm -hmm. right and we are our behavior now where people are like you said they're looking for opportunities to try and uh say Oh, I'm offended. Mm -hmm. They're looking for opportunities to be able to use the offense claim. They're looking for opportunities because we've exalted it as some type of virtue. Um, oh, man, it is. It's a virtue. <laughs> it is a virtue. And it's antithetical to the to the word of God. And we know offenses are going to come. Sure. We know people are going to get offended. But it was it's an offense against the known will of God. Mm -hmm. That is to say, to be persecuted for righteousness sake. 
not to be creating things that you say, oh, you, I'm being persecuted. Really? No, I don't think you're being persecuted just for somebody making a critical statement about something you said or did. That's not persecution. But we're we're trying to use it as that, and 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 in doing so, it's just like you said, it's becoming idolatrous. And even in our in our in in real life situations where where real harm has been exacted and, and experienced, mm. even in that, offense can still be an idol. And yes. we have we have to be willing to to shed that and to let it go, to cast our care, to to give forgiveness for ourselves and for for the. Um, for the sake of being able to to walk fully in what Christ has called us to, right? That I have to, I have to forgive because I want to be forgiven. This mm. idea that the blood of yes. Jesus is going to be applied to my life and blot out all of my transgressions is of such worth and value to me that I'm not going to hold you up, <laughs> and I'm not yeah. going to let you hold me up. Yeah. I'm going to let it go. Absolutely. And I understand, and I'm not trying to speak from a place of it's so easy. It's just so easy. Um, but but in reality, it's what we are commanded to do. Yeah. As believers. So yeah. we don't have a choice. Yeah. And when I and, and man, that is so powerful. That is so powerful. What you said about the blood of Jesus, because if I if I deem the blood enough for my shortcomings, how do I deprive my fellow man of that same privilege? Mm-hmm. Which is what I am saying, in essence, when I choose to hold his transgression against him. Right. And I hold it over him. And I won't let him escape it. I won't let him forget it. And I won't let him let it go. And I, I, I'm going to make sure you see your sin for the rest of your life. Really? Really? Mm-hmm. You know, and so you put yourself in a really precarious uh, position spiritually where that unforgiveness is going to block a tremendous amount of God's grace in your own life. And so, like you said, it becomes an idol. It becomes this thing that alters our behavior, this thing that we worship, this thing that we follow after mm-hmm. in what we do. And the next one was education and intellect. Even though we've kind of touched on this the last podcast yeah. in talking about ideas and philosophies. But if we're not careful, we can really take a lot of stock of the way we think. We yeah. think <laughs> we think greatly about the way that we think. <laughs> we think greatly about how we think. Yeah. yeah. And we're not we're not at all right. We're not at all in in uh in line with what the word of God says. And really that is the that's the judge. The 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 book is the litmus test, whether or not I'm in the pocket or outside of the pocket. And so as as believers we have to be very careful because once I've ascribed to an idea, especially nowadays where we trumpet those ideas we get on Facebook, we get on Twitter, we we get a couple people to say, yeah, you show sure are right. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, because they've said I'm right, I, I talk a little louder. Oh, I, yeah. s- I say a little bit more. Absolutely. I get more entrenched in my yeah, idea. Absolutely. And then when my idea turns out to be completely false, <laughs> 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 when it is discovered that what I believed and held so dearly to is completely, you know, rebutted on, on its head, then what do we do? Mm. Right. I mean, I can continue to worship at that false idea that I wow. that education of mine that got me there. Yeah. Or I can be honest and say, whoa, that was wrong. That was wrong. I'm going to need to repent and turn around. That's right. <laughs> that's right. No, right. You're, you're absolutely right. But that's the thing that I think our culture has a hard time with. I, I, I much of much of what is going on in our culture and much of what keeps us where we are in going in the direction we're going in is the inability of people to just say, I was wrong. I was wrong. 
and that's from politics yeah. to the church house. Yeah. I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm wrong, and people have a hard time bringing themselves to that if what they believe has been exalted to a place of worship mm-hmm. in their lives. Yes. Because see, now to admit wrong is to pull down my idol. Yeah, it's like pulling. That it's, it's not just an apology. Yes. Yeah, you know, it. You're right. It's like pulling that loose string. It's not just an apology anymore. It's it's a it's a pulling of the rug out from under my life, mm-hmm. and now where do I stand? And I don't want the vulnerability of having to now redirect, question everything. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 what what this may mean for me, and you see people get into battles and arguments and stuff on social media and on the television, and and sometimes even in person over things that are not even well-reasoned out, but they have served the purpose of scratching that itch and satisfying the belly. Yes. You know, and because of it, they exalt that belief, that they exalt their intellect or what they think they have intellectually uh, gained. They exalt it to a place of, of worship in their life, and they, they hold true to it, and they are not going to relent because in that position, it is too interwoven into their being for them to really just turn around and say, well, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I need to, I need to go back and find out more because it's not just like an apology. I stepped on your foot. Mm -hmm. It's that this is now, this is a foundation of my life. This is what kind of gets me out of bed in the morning. Cause when you, it's a sad thing though. Sometimes when you, when you are on social media or something or other, you see people make posts and you can see people make posts all day. On the same stuff almost. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you're like, do you spend any time uh, d- just do, th- thinking outside <laughs> of that about anything else? You know, mm-hmm. and, and it speaks to the fact, though, that person, that belief has become so integral to that person's heart and mind. Absolutely. True believers. It has given them a purpose. Yes. So that post is purposeful for them. Absolutely. Right? That is, it's almost, I am fulfilling almost divine purpose mm-hmm. to put this out here for you so that you can see how wrong you are and they're wrong the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's a sad thing, but it speaks back to this very thing of idolatry. It's letting anything sit in my heart and life in the seat that only belongs to Jesus. Absolutely. It Absolutely. only belongs to Jesus. And we've got to get back to being bold enough to say that to people. And as the church, not feeling though as though we have to come up with some really cute and creative way of talking to people about things and just get back to telling people, no, you know, he is the reason why we live, we move, we have our being. Yeah. He is everything. He is all things. And in him, all things consist. And when we get back to the exclusivity of Christ and who he really is, right, and exalt him in that place, we find that all of these other philosophies and all these other things we keep exalting, uh, they just, they don't suffice and they do not satisfy. The only thing they do satisfy, of course, is that is our sensual desires and the the God that becomes our belly. So I just wanted to uh, plug this in. This is 1 John uh, chapter, where am I at? 1 John 2. Verse 15, Uh, this is amplified. Do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the craving for sensual gratification, the lust of the eyes, greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, assurance in one's own resources, or in the stability of earthly things, these do not come from the Father, 
but are from the world itself. And the world passes away and disappears, and with it the forbidden cravings, the passionate desires, the lust of it. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purposes in his life abides and remains forever. Mm. You get stability doing God's way. You get stability doing it God's way. You don't always get the press. No, you won't always get get the the press. No, you're not going to get the press because you're on the narrow way. There you go. There aren't enough. There aren't enough people on that way to give you press. <laughs> <laughs> We're all in this together, brother. <laughs> oh no! But no, that's not what his way is about. It's not about absolutely glorifying us or us getting the press anyway. It's about what's right. But you know what? You won't get the press, but you will get the peace, and you will get the fruit. Amen. Of a good life lived. Amen. A fulfilled life lived. A good conscience. People think that walking with God means you just going to have to suffer. No, you are not. You're going to miss so much bad. So much bad. You're going to miss so much stuff that the world is pulling their hair out about. You're going to miss a whole lot of that. And you're going to still walk on in blessing and in grace and in peace. Because he is not going to forget your, your faith. He's not going to forget your labor of love, your patience of hope. He is not going to turn his back on a child that comes to him diligently Amen. to seek out his way. He's going to show himself strong on your behalf. And so we want to encourage you to do so. I mean, this is, this has really been good. And we're going to continue this conversation about the spirit of the age. And we're going to move on into some other things, but we wanted to talk about idolatry on these first two uh, podcasts in this particular series, because it's one of the things that is really pervasive in our culture and our society today. And so I challenge you today to go through your own life, with a fine-tooth comb, look around your life, look at yourself, look at the way you think, the things that you entertain, and ask yourself, are these things sitting in the spot that should only be reserved for my Lord and Savior? And I'm telling you, you will be glad if, they're, if they are that you remove them and put Jesus back on the throne of your heart where he rightfully belongs and begin to worship him and follow him, and you will begin to have peace. But we thank you guys for joining us again for this podcast. We can, we're going to continue to bring these to you. Uh, I do say once again, make sure that you stick around to the end of this. Once this closes, there is an outro at the end that will give you more information about how you can connect with us, contact us, and how we can co- get in contact with you as well. We love you joining the conversation here in the ministry outreach of Christ Nations Church. Once again, I am Pastor Iron Petrie along with my wife, Star, and until Until next time, remember one word from God can transform your life forever. God bless. Thank you for joining the podcast. If you were blessed and encouraged by what you heard, we invite you to share this message and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Be sure to visit ChristNations.com for all the latest messages and happenings with our ministry and engage with us on all our social media platforms on Facebook at CNCTXK and on YouTube at Christ Nations Church. We look forward to connecting with you. And remember, One word from God can change your life forever.